moika! Hey! Welcome to our podcast, Mastering Finland. I'm Jean and I'm from California. I'm Petra and I'm from the Czech Republic. We're here to chat about our life in Finland. Hello everybody, welcome back to our podcast. Here's Petra and today I would like to introduce you our our guest. His name is Arsenin Lobanovsky. He's a PhD student at the University of Turku and he has a very interesting side of stories. So let's just get straight to it. Hi, Arseniy, welcome. Yeah, hi Petra. Thanks for introducing me. Yeah. So could you tell us a bit about yourself at first? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so uh, as Petra said, as you said, <laughs> I'm Arseniy Lubanovsky and uh, I... Uh, I've lived in Finland for almost six years. Uh, all of that time I spent in Tampere, in Kaukajärvi and uh, Finnmäki, those are in the east of the city uh, suburbs. And uh, I come originally from Russia, Nizhny Novgorod, which is a um, sister city to Tampere um, of old, and um, came here originally with my with my partner, who is an architect, uh, to study. We both came to study on master's programs. I um, studied at the University of Tampere, uh, which I graduated from in uh, uh, 2017 uh, with a master's in social sciences degree, which was an English language degree program. And uh, yeah, my uh, my partner is an architect and uh, she studied architecture as well at the technical university while it was still a separate university. Graduated a bit later than me, but uh, since I've... Uh, I've moved on to become a PhD student, a doctoral student, first at the University of Tampere and then since uh, 2018 at the University of Turku. Uh, and uh, I'm a salaried doctoral candidate. I receive a salary, a monthly salary, and uh, my main task is to write my dissertation project. And uh, for now, I'm also, yeah, I'm... I'm focused on other things for now because we have an election campaign and uh, mainly campaigning. But once that's over, I go back to working full time on that. Yeah, wow, that sounds that sounds great. And and I assume you are enjoying your your um, you know academic academic work. Uh, well, yeah, you can you can say that there there are parts that I enjoy. There are parts that are a bit difficult. Yeah, I guess we're going to talk more about that. Yeah, later. yeah. I'm just saying that because I just finished my master's thesis recently, like three weeks ago, and I never want to get back to it ever again. So Me neither. So, yeah. I remember that was a horrible time <laughs> when I was yeah. writing mine. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, but yeah, but um, before this uh, recording, uh, we, we exchanged a few emails and you told me that you actually decided to learn both Finnish and Swedish mm-hmm. at once, which is quite a task, I would say. <laughs> so why did you decide to take on both of the languages at the same time? Oh, well, that's a very good question. Actually, I didn't learn them both at once. Well, you can say that, but Finnish was first because Tampere is a Finnish-speaking city. And uh, albeit we have a minority that speaks Swedish, about 1,200 people. Uh, this is a very small group of people and uh, uh, you don't come across them very easily uh, so Finnish was my first language uh, first at the university uh, we had great courses uh, with a very dedicated teacher uh, for foreign students uh, with foreign backgrounds and uh, then Tampere Naikuisluke a little which is a, uh, a, a you can say a gymnasium a upper secondary education institution and uh, you can actually 
pay a little to take courses there uh, as a as an adult, um, which I did. Uh, but Swedish uh, mainly. I, I was I has always, have always been interested in uh, Swedish as a language in Sweden as a country, and then in the Swedish speaking minority in Finland, uh, which I came to know a lot more about since I moved here from Russia. And uh, Swedish also is a practical language. It's easier to learn if you know English uh, or German. Uh, and I, I do speak English. That's my uh, the language of my uh, workplace and uh, it has been the language of my studies for a long time. Uh, and uh, it has a lot in common with Swedish uh, uh, vocabulary, um, grammar, and Swedish is much easier easier uh, grammatically uh, and structurally to learn and uh, uh, thankfully we have at Tampere and I uh, courses in Swedish which are very very good which I recommend to everyone who wants to learn Swedish uh, and then it also uh, eases integration because um, Swedish is uh, an easy language to converse in with native speakers especially for me as a Russian speaker Uh, because of my accent and our accent with the Swedish-speaking minority and uh, how they speak their language in this country is very similar to how what what we speak like phonetically in Russia, which which uh, made made it much easier for me to learn. And uh, also, this is a very well-established community and quite a large community too. So, it uh, uh, facilitates integration for those who want to integrate in Finnish society, and this is one way to do it actually, um, because. Anyway, it's not isolated. It's linked to the Finnish-speaking major- majority through various organizations and uh, uh, informal relationships. So uh, once you get to know some Swedish speakers, I mean, uh, it eases, eases your path to integrating in the Finnish society as a whole. Yeah, yeah, makes sense. But it is, I mean, I try to, because I'm coming, you know, from Czech and, and I th- while phonetics are very much read it as as it's as it's written which is the same in Finnish which I find like the easy part because in comparison when you have a Swedish language the pronunciation is so dif- different and you know I mastered somehow English but I was young then and now when I try to even look into Swedish it feels just so difficult to pronounce that you know I basically am quite happy to stuck with Finnish I guess yeah <laughs> Yeah, I understand, but actually, it's um, the way uh, Swedish is spoken in uh, most of Finland, especially this uh, uh, mainstream dialect that is spoken, especially in the south of the country, in Helsinki, and uh, the regions surrounding it, all the countryside regions, Oboland, uh, uh, the Varsinais Suomi, you call it in, in Finnish, Finland proper, uh, those places. Uh, it's very much influenced uh, in terms of phonetics by Finnish. Um, which makes it a lot easier to learn if you already uh, have learned some Finnish. Uh, and for Russian speakers as well, and S- Slavic language speakers, because, yeah, the rules of pronunciation are much easier. It's very different in the way it's spoken from the Swedish proper uh, language that is spoken in Sweden and the dialects there. And uh, there are, of course, differences between regions uh, uh, in terms of what dialects they speak in Finland as well. Like Österbotten, Pohjanmaa is a, a very particular region, and uh, the way they speak uh, Swedish is influenced by the, uh, they call it Furnorsk, uh, the uh, uh, ancient Nordic uh, uh 
ancestral language to all the Scandinavian languages. It's uh, much more influenced by that than by Finnish. And Osterbotanism, a slightly different region from all the other Finnish regions because the Swedish speakers are the majority of the population yeah. there still. Yeah. Well, that's that's probably true because I basically practiced Swedish like a little bit with my Swedish friend living in Sweden. So that's probably where it comes from, the the difficulty in the pronunciation. I would but, guess so. Yeah, yeah. So how how did the knowledge of both Finnish and Swedish make your life easier in Finland? Or did it make your life easier in Finland? <laughs> <laughs> well, I would say it did. Um, because, I mean, if you... Yeah, everyone knows that it may be difficult to make friends uh, in Finland and generally for any foreign person who immigrates to another country. It's difficult when you don't have the networks ready-made, when you haven't studied here at school, uh, haven't gone to a gymnasium, um, uh, don't necessarily have uh, any colleagues that you are socialized with, uh, which you're quite familiar with at work. So uh, one way to integrate, uh, because Finland is such a well-arranged and uh, systematically arranged country, uh, is through various organizations, the uh, non-for-profit organizations where you can become active in your free time. Uh, the requirements are very low, really. It's uh, uh, If you have the will and the desire to do things, even a little bit, uh, you're always welcome to enter this sort of life. And uh, there are, of course, Finnish-speaking organizations, but Finnish language is uh, uh, on a whole different level um, in terms of uh, uh, how it's spoken and uh, uh, it, it doesn't make it easier for a person who wants to integrate uh, when you have to speak a particular form that uh, that is spoken and understand all the jokes while Swedish is uh, easier to penetrate, so to speak. Um, and uh, you can always join. Uh, it has always been possible even before Corona pandemic hit uh, to join and participate online uh, by distance in all sorts of uh, uh, NGO-type uh, organizations. Like uh, I'm a member of a uh, governing board of the feminist uh, uh, publication, uh, the only Swedish-speaking feminist publication um, of its kind in Finland and now in Sweden since their feminist uh, magazine I was called Bang, uh, oh, went into bankruptcy uh, uh, last year, and Astra is the only one. But it's really easy to join, and uh, uh, it's uh, very friendly uh, how we operate and uh, very informal. Uh, and the, the only threshold is, of course, knowing the language with Swedish is an easy language to learn. So uh, it's enough to even, you know, know the B1, B2 level to be able to actually participate and do something useful. Uh, also, political organizations. Uh, 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 this is very important because uh, all those organizations that exist now in Finland, they used to be very um, uh, powerful, used to have lots of members. This has uh, changed a lot over the years, and uh, uh, membership has sunk uh, in many political organizations, many NGOs, uh, which makes it, in a way, easier for new foreign members like me uh, and other foreign foreign persons in Finland to enter this kind of uh, activities on their own because there is no competition for, uh, you know, a place on a governing board or whatever uh, when there are so few members. 
and uh, only desire is normally enough for that. Yeah. So you mentioned the, the magazine, the feminist magazine Astra. Could you tell us a bit more about this magazine and mm-hmm. how come that you that you got to become the board member then? Yeah. Uh, so uh, this uh, the explanation is uh, quite complicated. Uh, there are many reasons why I joined. Uh, it was very easy to join. Normally, how it happens is uh, an organization organizes its yearly meeting. It announces it uh, via its uh, social media channels. Uh, also in print, if it's uh, in this case a magazine, they also print uh, uh, and uh, a commercial, uh, a small ad on their pages. And if you are a subscriber, then you get to read it in print. Uh, but then uh, normally uh, the uh, uh, participation is very easy, especially now in current times. It's uh, done on distance, uh, organized via Zoom or Meet. Uh, so, and I also. I always wanted to uh, contribute to a progressive cause, and Astra is uh, uh, that sort of organization that does a lot of work on creating spaces for people who are marginalized, uh, people who belong to various sorts of minorities, uh, for instance, trans people, um, people generally belonging to LGBT community, uh, uh, people uh, who belong to racial minorities and uh, ethnic minorities. Uh, Astra creates a space uh, for them uh, who belong to those minorities to contribute artistically. Uh, uh, Astra publishes uh, essays, uh, uh, opinion pieces, poetry, uh, illustrations, all sorts of uh, cultural products on its pages uh, for very high quality and in many languages, not just Swedish. Uh, uh, Of late we have been uh, trying to make more space for uh, English-speaking content creators uh, on our pages. We also have a website, and we also do a podcast uh, with uh, various artists, poets, and uh, writers, uh, uh, in-depth discussions that everyone can listen to. And uh, some of them are in Swedish, some of them of them are in English. And Astra also organizes events, uh, for instance, release uh, uh, release evenings for uh, every every issue of the magazine and. Uh, we have four issues, spring, summer, uh, winter, and uh, an autumn issue normally uh, with wow. a particular theme. And the event also has this theme. Like the latest one, the spring issue was uh, about history. And uh, the event uh, featured creators who have contributed to the issue uh, and our chief editor uh, talking about uh, uh, their products, their, their, their art their contributions and other things as well. Yeah, wow, it sounds amazing. I mean, mm-hmm. it it is amazing package of everything that has to be, you know, sent out there and it also it's great that you connect it with like the artistic side and creative side. So yeah. it's not all, only about the cause, but it's yeah. also like supporting this creativeness and, yeah, and it's this sort of freedom. complex yeah, yeah, it it really sounds amazing, and I looked into into it before before I talk, and it really really looks good. So I'd recommend all of you to just go and check it out now. Thank after you. you finish listening to us. Thank you so okay. much. Okay, so um, you said that you are a PhD student, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and so how have you been handling the long, long lasting Corona time? And <laughs> especially because as you appeared, you probably are working from home, right? Yeah. So how have you been dealing with that? Uh, so uh, there is a backstory to it. For me, the Corona time, uh, it has actually begun way before Corona because uh, as many, uh, I wouldn't say or most, but definitely a significant minority of PhD students, doctoral candidates in Finland, uh, as well as in other countries, uh, have a, uh, a higher rate of uh, uh, you know, depression and all sorts of mental health issues. I belong to that group as well. Um, uh, I've been working full-time as a PhD student, uh, uh, going to conferences, seminars uh, in the country and abroad, uh, trying to uh, write working papers and uh, uh, get my PhD project going for two years since 2018, since I uh, got the job at the University of Turku uh, till uh, late 2019 uh, when uh, I was diagnosed with uh, depression. Um, and uh, I was on sick leave for a long time, for more than a year actually, uh, which was also stressful because... Um, uh, if you have uh, uh, this diagnosis, uh, uh, or rather a uh, middle range depression, I don't know what. How do you translate this diagnosis into into English language? But this means that it's serious, but not serious enough for you to be granted a longer sick leave, um, uh, uh, which means that uh, uh, the doctor. And normally checks whether you're doing better or not, and based on that, uh, grants you an extension every month or every two months, which was very stressful. Actually, my mental state didn't improve during that. So, actually, that was uh, I, I was quite inactive, uh, but that also coincided with uh, me having a lot of free time to allocate to things like learning a new language. So during that time, I learned Swedish, and. Uh, became active in uh, various organizations like Ostrand and Finland Svenskunga Social Democrata, which is a youth um, political organization in the Social Democratic Youth, a Swedish-speaking district uh, within the organization. Uh, and uh, I also had a lot of time to think and a lot of time to go into therapy uh, and uh, to also understand how privileged I am to actually have a workplace, a steady workplace, uh, with uh, uh, the, um, uh, what do you call it, the uh, uh, workplace-related uh, healthcare, uh, insurance, and all the services, uh, the fast and uh, smooth services that come with it. It's very easy to get a doctor appointment. It's very easy to get a psychiatrist appointment, which is necessary to be granted this right to get uh, supported um uh, a rehabilitation, rehabilitation therapy, uh, which is uh, what I'm doing. Basically, Keller subsidizes uh, part of that. Um, the rest you pay as omavastu uh, as uh, your own part. Um, and uh, uh, for those who don't have a steady workplace, who don't have this insurance, workplace insurance, it's normally very hard to get an appointment with a, a doctor. And then you have to get uh, a referral from a regular doctor to a psychiatrist. And many people who are forced to, to go to the the public side, um, uh, there are uh, there is so uh, little in the way of resources that they have on the public side. 
And there is so much that they have on the private side in this uh, workplace-related uh, insurance um, uh, market and organizations that provide those uh, services to workplaces uh, that, yeah, it creates a lot of inequality in our country, actually. Yeah. Uh, it was very easy for me. It took me just, uh, you know, uh, those the requirement of three months of being in treatment officially and uh, to visits to the psychiatrist in my workplace insurance uh, provided clinic. Um, and, uh, and then I got this uh, and I found a therapist and I go in therapy and finish actually. <laughs> but wow. yeah, this uh, uh, Corona time, it <laughs> began for me much earlier. I've spent a lot of time being, you know, going to courses, uh, not seeing many people at all, and then being active in those organizations on distance because they're all located elsewhere in Vasa or in Helsinki, so you can't go physically to those places quite often. Um, and then Corona hit, and uh, basically the life continued as it was for me. Uh, and now now I'm back at work, but I do work at uh, uh, on distance. I have my computer here. I don't actually need to see people. I don't teach courses either because that's not a requirement uh, that's written in my contract. I just, and I'm uh, allowed a lot of freedom, which I appreciate. And I'm actually able to do something. So you can say that uh, my mental state has, has improved, but it was really tough. I couldn't do anything. I couldn't decide on doing anything for a while. Um, and it's good I mean, that... Yeah, yeah, sorry, but it's still impressive that that you anyway like pushed and you you said you learned Swedish. You know that's when you learned Swedish and you joined your organizations and and even yeah. in in such a state, which is still like such a big step. And there are many people who are not diagnosed with, yeah. with any mental illness who are not doing such things. But you it's know. part of the treatment process in a way. I, yeah. I look at that as such uh, because you have to, I mean, you have to be social at least to some extent. You have to do something meaningful and uh, that's how you get satisfaction. That's how you get appreciation, at least from yourself for the things you do yourself. And uh, a PhD project is normally, uh, it's it's associated with a lot of freedom. It's also associated with a lot of stress. And you, you know from writing probably your master's thesis how hard it is it can be to be create to have to be creative all the time to have to create um a space for yourself to think and uh, uh and uh, uh to actually imagine and invent things on your own without uh collaborating with anyone and of course it differs some phd students some doctoral candidates uh they start out as part of a project which helps a lot uh, when they are they're doing their own thing, but they're doing it in collaboration with other researchers, with senior researchers and researchers on their level. Um, uh, I, I never was part of this community in a way uh, uh, because I was hired to do my own thing in the first place, um, not to be a part of the project. And uh, uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely adore everybody who is doing PhD. <laughs> as I said, like I finished my master's and, you know, it is nothing like master's thesis. I wrote it as an academic article style thesis. So it was already a bit closer to, you know, to what PhD students are doing. Of course, not to an extent like that, but it was tiny bit closer to that. And I was like, yeah, 
this is 100% now. I'm never going to be doing a PhD, even, even if some disaster happened. Because I sort of like kept it as a, you know, backup. Because yeah. in Finland, you never know. And I know yeah. that I could push myself and, and work on, on a topic and, you know, do some decent work and, and stuff. But that I would necessarily enjoy it is probably not, mm-hmm. not the case. So now I'm yeah. kindergarten teacher instead. <laughs> but that's uh, that's a very important job, and uh, uh, at least politically, I think that we have to do a lot more to increase the salaries for kindergarten teachers. Because yes, please. Yeah, this is this is shameful. Uh, how low the salaries are, and they absolutely must not be that way. And uh, this is one of my election topics, actually. But uh, <laughs> yeah, on the PhD subject, it's. Uh, it's a profession, if you can call it a profession, this research profession is associated with a lot of uh, inbuilt inequality, also gender-associated inequality. If you look at the profile of researchers, uh, many people who are working you know, from contract to contract, uh, switching from one six-month to another six-month contract as a part of some project, uh, because the funding is always tied, because we've had austerity politics in this country and policies that cut uh, the budgets of research institutions uh, for, for decades now. And uh, this hits the hardest, of course, women in the profession and minorities in the profession. And you can see a lot of uh, very talented female researchers uh, uh, who are uh, being forced to take those um, fixed-term uh, lecturer contracts at the universities while they are already 40 and had kids and uh, they're still involved in this spiral of insecurity job insecurity and it's much easier of course for male candidates i myself even though i'm a foreigner i got my uh, job after uh, uh, looking for it for two years but some people look a lot longer than that and they're forced to do you know temporary jobs uh, menial jobs uh, which are of course always important as well uh, but nevertheless it's not your dream job it's not what you want to do but you're just forced to do that because there is no other way to survive and this is a big problem and i think we have to increase research funding in this country <laughs> precisely because we need to create more jobs and we need to eliminate this in the court we need to create more space for talented female and uh, uh, minority researchers to to participate in academic life and we don't have those spaces right yeah now. definitely i have quite a few few friends female friends who are doing phd and who are struggling and going mm-hmm. from funding to funding and hoping yeah. they'll get another funding and it's yeah. just basically they start doing they get the funding and they start already writing an application for a new funding yeah, from grant to grant. Yeah. Every yeah, six exactly. months, every year, you have to apply for private grants because the public sector jobs are very, very scarce. Mm. Yeah. And uh, this is, of course, the legacy of the previous government, but also decades of other governments before them not paying attention to research. Yeah, so you, I think we can slowly transfer, basically, because you mentioned uh, quite politics, quite a few few times and and you are yourself a candidate now in the upcoming (laughs) elections so so how did you decide to become a candidate for the upcoming elections oh so the reasons are again complex it's related to me pushing myself to be more active um 
and I've always followed politics quite closely and I've always placed myself since I was a teenager basically a bit on the left um, and I've I've grown more left-wing <laughs> as I aged which is not normally what happens to many people but yeah, you see injustices true. yeah you see injustices in various forms like those low yeah. salaries for kindergarten teachers that I mentioned or insecure yeah. jobs for female researchers and uh, uh, discrimination that minorities are faced generally in this country even Finland which is one of the happiest countries which is yeah one of the mo- more more nice equal statement. yeah one of the <laughs> most equal countries in the world but still we have such huge problems that we need to solve so part of the decision to become active in politics and to stand in elections as well is to um, amend, to correct those inequalities, uh, which is, of course, uh, done a lot uh, to to a high extent uh, at the local level. People don't realize very often how uh, strong a role and how big a role the municipalities in Finland play in deciding on various aspects of our lives from uh, you know cycling infrastructure to kindergartens to schools to hospitals uh, almost every single aspect of our lives uh, uh, is associated with various sorts of public services and those public services are um, organized by municipalities which is very often a constitutional requirement for them of course with some support from the government and the taxpayer money but uh, uh, much of the funding is collected by municipalities themselves through taxes, like um, property tax and, of course, the Kuntavera, the municipal tax, uh, but also for various fees uh, for services, service use, parking fees, those sorts of things. But uh, <laughs> they say Finland is a socialist country. What that That is what <laughs> the personification of the statement is, the Finnish municipality, because the involvement is extensive. It's also the uh, waste collection and uh, recycling, for instance. It's the uh, clean water. It's even the uh, uh, the housing, because much of the social housing is still provided by municipalities. I myself live in a VTS uh, home, and VTS is a company that is owned by the city of Tampere and that builds and uh, owns uh, uh, rental accommodation uh, for uh, lower-income citizens. Uh, and... Uh, so, yeah, you need to be on the council. And if you don't have any migrant voices on the council, if you don't have any minority voices on the council, if you don't have people who rent their apartments on the council, young people, uh, people who know what insecurity in life is, uh, then you end up with decisions uh, on uh, city planning, on building various things uh, and services, placing services that don't favor the vast majority of the people uh, in the city. When we're talking about big cities, of course, this applies to Helsinki. Of course, this applies to Tampere, to Turku, to Jyväskylä, Vaasa, uh, smaller cities as well. Uh, when you have people who are, uh, who's like median age of uh, <laughs> people who are represented on the council is 50, 45 at best. Many of those are men, especially in bigger cities. <laughs> yeah, a white men who own maybe not even one, but several houses or apartments. Uh, and uh, the vast majority, of course, of uh, people who live in big cities like Tampere and Helsinki are people on low incomes, uh, young people who study, people who live in rental accommodation, people who are pushed by higher rents uh, to the outskirts of the city where the services are few. And the decision makers don't really 
pay enough attention to placing enough services in those areas, which is why they're so cheap. And the private sector provides much of the accommodation for rent and uh, uh, on sale, uh, which is why they get to decide the prices of uh, new housing units and uh, the rents, uh, except for this sector that municipality still controls uh, the rental accommodation for uh, low-income uh, retirees, the rental accommodation for low-income citizens, for people with uh, who have been uh, homeless for a while. Uh, there are services for those people as well, but not enough, <laughs> not even nearly enough. And of course, I thought that... Uh, I have to be, if if no one else steps up, if no one else speaks out about those issues, at least in Tampere, then I have to be this person. And even if there are some, well, it never hurts to have another voice speaking out on those issues. So what do you have to do in order to become a candidate as a foreigner in Finland? Well, surprisingly, not much. Oh, okay. <laughs> surprisingly, uh, it, it's not much and it's quite easy because we have uh, a very competitive system. That's part of the reason why it's not difficult to become a candidate. Uh, that means that the parties, they're allowed to uh, stand quite quite a few candidates, actually. There are limits. Um, I think in Tampere it's 100 candidates per uh, a, a party or a voter association. Um, uh, and not more than that. But of course, the seats on the council are a very, uh, a very few. It's just sixty-seven seats. Um, it's a bit more in Helsinki and other places, even fewer. Um, which means basically that very few of those candidates are able to get elected. And the bigger the city, the more the budget has to be of one particular campaign. And of course, people get support from various organizations. Uh, uh, non-governmental organizations, uh, own party, uh, business owners. Uh, there are all sorts of ways to get support. And of course, many, especially in smaller cities, fund their campaigns themselves. And uh, there is a trend uh, that people who have already been elected and have spent some time on the council, they will get re-elected. Uh, more than 80%, I think, of uh, candidates elected in last election in Tampere uh, were incumbents who uh, just kept their seats and just about 14%, if I remember correctly, according to Statistics Central information, they collect information on that, were the new people, new faces. So uh, especially in big cities, the threshold for participation is very high for younger people, for migrants, uh, in terms of you know actually having influence. But to stand, basically, very often you need to apply. You need to send... Uh, you know, fill out a blanket uh, form on a website of a party or uh, get in touch with um, someone from the local party association. And uh, uh, you don't even need to be a member of a party very often. Uh, and you can stand as a sit automaton, uh, uh, which is basically a non-aligned uh, and independent candidate on the list of the party. Um and uh, yeah, so getting a place on the list is normally very easy, unless you have, you know, some uh, background that stands against the values of the party and the laws of this country. Then you will be excluded well, from this process if you are racist. Not necessarily. Yeah. As we read in the past article oh, yeah. <laughs> about having, you know, pedophiles and yeah, no. candidating for the municipal elections. But well. well yeah. Also, that happens in Finland. 
Yeah. Sorry, sorry for everybody. I couldn't help myself to include that because yeah, these are such issues that have to be mentioned, even though Absolutely. it doesn't sound great. The, and that it is, makes me very angry yeah. just now when I'm speaking about it. But it's so important to be spoken out and be talked about. So it yeah. doesn't just get swept under the carpet like nothing happened. I do absolutely and completely agree with you on that because uh, we have to apply the same standard to all the candidates from all parties, all voter associations, all independent candidates. That is, they have to respect the constitution. They have to respect the people they uh, have dealings with, the prospective voters or people who don't even have the right to vote. Everyone is a person. Everyone has human rights. and Everyone has a right to be treated with respect regardless of what kind of beliefs, ideology, religious beliefs this candidate may have. They have to be uh, respectful. And uh, uh, frankly, <laughs> I think there are lapses of judgment very often. And uh, since there are so many candidates normally on the list, it may often happen that uh, the party bureaucracy, which is uh, in many parties quite... Uh, uh, you know, weak, and <laughs> there are not many people working for the party. People don't often recognize that very often even in cities like Tampere, there may be one person actually handling all of the affairs of the party because the parties have limited budgets themselves, which is why it's very often hard to screen candidates properly, which is why every now and then it happens uh, to every party that a candidate with a criminal history, a candidate with a history of making racist, uh, misogynistic statements gets on the list, or a candidate who has a history of committing fraud or whatever. Uh, and of course, yeah, you may say uh, that some parties have a bigger problem with that, so they have to take a hard look, long hard look at themselves, but we all have to stay vigilant. Of course, in all parties, that's my personal opinion, and uh, we can't, you know, uh, let uh, let someone off easily while we treat other, you know, and take a harder look at others. Everyone has to be, yeah, uh, you know, looked at closely enough. Mm, definitely, and of course, like that's what I would recommend to everybody who is who is eligible to vote in these elections. That you know go through the sort of there is this ULE compass that you can take and I would recommend you to take it to see with whom you have closer opinions about what has to be done in your city but also then look up the people and learn a bit more about them so you are really aware of who they are and if you would like to give them your vote because it is very valuable each individual vote is valuable so so that's something that that I think is really, really important. But also people just go vote. If you have the right, please go vote. Especially if you're a foreigner in Finland and you have the right, please go vote. That's a very good message and I can't <laughs> help to agree more with that. You, If you don't vote, you lose your ability to affect the decision-making in the city where you live. And so many people, surprisingly many people, have the right to vote and never yeah. use it. Because you just yeah, have exactly. to you have to have lived for two years uh, in this country, 51 days before the election, and for at least 51 days uh, before the election uh, in the place where uh, you have the right to vote. That's, that's it. You don't have to have a citizenship of this country or the European Union. Uh, it's just, you know, the 
haven't lived enough years is enough. So almost yeah. everyone, I think, in this country has a right. Yeah, to Yeah, exactly, exactly. And, so uh, yeah, yeah. It and the Ule, Ule, yeah, I wanted, I wanted to say a couple of words yeah. on that. Uh, it's the best election compass in, in, for for us uh, people who belong to language minorities because it's available uh, in five languages. Uh, so there are five language versions you can choose between Swedish, Finnish, English, of course, Russian, and Sami, uh, depending on uh, which language you understand best, you can use it. Any one of those, and uh, it's at the bottom of the screen when you go to the Svali Corner uh, website uh, on Ole. Uh, but it's very easy, and all the questions will be provided in the language you chose. Um, you choose, and uh, some candidates have provided answers in this in those other languages, except for Finnish. I myself did in four languages that I can myself speak. So yeah, so this this is worth trying. Definitely, it's a very easy and quick test. It's just two three minutes filling out the questions, then you get the picture, the general picture of where people stand and where the parties stand, who to vote for. Yeah, yeah, I definitely agree, and I did it myself, and it definitely helped me with with my decision making because I was sort of on the fence. But I think that now I'm very much decided. Who am I going going to vote for in Helsinki? But yeah, is there anything else that you would like to share or or say or I don't know? Um, yeah, I would like to generally say that uh, first of all, on the mental health issues, people shouldn't uh, you know be hard on themselves, and people should really try to you know. Uh, uh, take it easy. Not not to to sort of dismiss the problems, but to just you know treat yourself with a little bit of kindness and always seek help whenever you have the ability to do that. And uh, uh, and of course we have the possibility. You know we have uh, in this country systems that help people out of difficult situations. There is no shame in using those. And uh, uh, if you don't like something in your life, well, don't despair. You can become active in organizations. You can become active in political parties. There is always space for everyone in uh, social and political life in Finland. You just uh, you just have to take the step and uh, apply. Sometimes just go to a meeting. Uh, many of them are online and. Uh, uh you don't even have to completely agree with uh, the other people in the organization but if you have something in common that's normally enough to actually make change and make life easier for yourself and for the others uh, by doing something useful and having something meaningful that you do in life it also helps if you have a mental health issue uh in it helps you uh a lot on the way to recovery if you uh have this avenue of socialization and uh, if you have this uh, rewarding thing that you do except for work that may be hard and uh, uh, and difficult to manage so yeah get engaged and absolutely vote in elections <laughs> that's, <laughs> yeah, uh, that's number one message. number one requirement for everyone <laughs> yeah yeah i definitely agree and I couldn't agree more with what you said because even this podcast for me is is a thing that helps my mental health with with my anxiety and 
and I also have this swift mood or not call it depression but uh, you know if I work uh, I don't get sad or feel bad so in a way that's the cure to do something meaningful that hopefully helps people and, and do something and, with people together this yeah. also helps yeah definitely that you're not definitely. alone yeah that is very important in Finland because <laughs> yeah. I think, I think I everywhere think, everywhere <laughs> yeah especially Everybody, yeah yeah exactly <laughs> have experienced the feeling of being alone at least once during their life in Finland yeah and uh yeah the very last word i love your podcast it's very important oh. what you do that you get to uh that you give the spaces to uh regular people uh people with foreign background in this country to talk about uh the issues that are important to them their lives because those voices don't get heard enough in the media in this country and uh, this is extremely important and this is similar to the work we're doing in Astra in a way uh and i think those organizations are just uh, <laughs> they are uh the gold standard <laughs> and uh, those projects they are the absolute best things that we have in this country and uh, i hope that this podcast continues uh to be successful and to uh, bring up uh and uh, give space to the, all those voices like you've been doing before Yeah, thank you so much. It means a lot. <laughs> It's very yeah. nice to hear that. And it, that's ex exactly why I'm doing it. It's my mm -hmm. own political way how to <laughs> how to change Finland, you know? Yeah. So I and I hope that that all the people that I have here, including you, are gonna be heard and it's gonna help yeah. to to make Finland a better country to live in as a foreigner as well. Yeah. So that's you know, the goal eventually i think we will hopefully get there and and yeah. we'll influence somebody somewhere yeah <laughs> to make the changes yeah all right thank you so much it was such a nice talk today and mm. i'm really grateful that you that you contacted me and then you decided to come and share your great journey of of life in finland and <laughs> i i would like to wish you all the best and and good luck and stay stay strong you know with with the fight with the depression yeah but also enjoy and have fun with all the amazing stuff that you are doing <laughs> thank you so much <laughs> very well said and uh, of course the same to you all those things um yeah thank you so much yeah all right all right this is the end and we will hear you next week bye Thank you for listening. You can subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, Apple or Google Podcasts and other podcast providers. For more information, follow our Instagram at mastering.finland.podcast, subscribe to our monthly newsletter and keep an eye on our website masteringfinland.com. Have a nice day and good luck with your own Mastering Finland story. Bye!